Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Center Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts. Uh, first of all, before I get started, I'd like to say thanks to uh, Ryan Faith, one of our contributors, and Mark Shifley for getting that soundbite in our intro. I'm sure you all heard it. If you've gotten this far, you probably heard the part where Mark Shifley introduces us. So uh, that's kind of neat. Not even the big radio stations have Mark Shifley introducing them. So yay us. That's pretty cool. And neat and funny and silly. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, anyhow, on to the episode at hand, episode 36. We got our boy Roddy interviewing Tim Stapleton, the first ever Filipino player in the NHL. Half Filipino, but uh, Filipino. Um, so that's uh, pretty cool. Anyhow, Roddy talks with Tim Stapleton about uh, his whole career, his time with the Jets in the very first year here and also in Atlanta, and uh, what that was all like and what he's up to now. Uh, Tim seems like a super cool guy, and it was really fun to listen to the interview, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. So make sure you tell everyone else to listen to it too. And uh, upcoming, we do have some interviews with uh, Leah Hextall and likely Jordan Tutu coming up as well. It's one that we're working on. So uh, you can look forward to that. Also, some more roundtables. We like to do those. If you have any questions and comments for that, uh, you can send them in to us. And uh, maybe we'll try and get Scott Campbell and Murat on again. They both haven't been on for a while. So it might be time to uh, get those guys on because uh, definitely friends of the show and we like them. And uh, it's nice to hear their takes uh, specifically about the Jets. So anyhow, enjoy the interview with Roddy and Tim Stapleton. Here it is. Hey, thanks for joining the Jet-Centric Podcast. This is Roddy, and uh, I have the honor of uh, speaking to uh, an original 2.0 Jet, uh, Tim Stapleton. How are you doing, Tim? Hey, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, how are you doing? Are you staying, staying warm over there? <laughs> we we got about five inches of snow last night, so we got we got dumped on pretty oh. good. But, but, uh, uh, that's all right. I figured that was uh, I was gonna get a response like that. But, uh, no, that's good. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, uh, you know I've been listening a little bit to the podcast, so it sounds like it's a, a fun thing you guys got going. So it's, it's definitely an honor for me to come on. Yeah, well, it's an honor for us to have you. Like, um, I, I, I think I think I speak for the whole city. That first team um, that came here is very near and dear to our hearts. So uh, a lot of the fans can probably. Um, retell every every minute of every game that happened that first year was such a you know such a special time and 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 to have you on our show it's it's really it's really an honor for us to have you here yeah no i think uh that was probably the most fun i had in 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 my career was that year in winnipeg because it was um it was yeah the fans were awesome and it was you know obviously unfortunately we didn't make playoffs we kind of made a close run there at the end but you know, we kind of, it was easy for us because it was, we were, you know, regardless, uh, we were like the lovable losers then. So <laughs> I know now with the team, now with the team uh, obviously in contention of possibly winning a Stanley Cup, it's uh, a little bit more pressure. So, you know, we, you know, the honor was all ours to be there. And for me, it was, it was one of the best, probably the best year of my career. It was, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Let, let's get back to, to, to uh, that season a little bit later, but I, I just wanted to go back. So talk about you. Um, where where you're from? Um, how you how you started playing hockey and um, and what what is what it was like growing up uh, playing hockey? And I, I guess you're from Chicago, right? Yeah, I grew up uh, about eight miles, not, about eight or nine miles west of the city. So usually, um, you know, if you were from Illinois, I would tell you exactly where I'm from. It's a suburb called Forest Park. Um, I don't know if you've been in Chicago much, but they have there's the L station, the train station, they have the different colors that run different areas of the city. But the blue line, which runs out to O'Hare Airport, comes into the city and then it runs out west. And I was kind of like the last stop west. So I grew up, uh, yeah, about eight miles west of there. And then, um, 
uh, how I got into hockey, uh, kind of, you know, I didn't really grow up. My, my dad never played. Uh, I didn't really have anyone in my family that played. I just, uh, my dad's brother, my dad's one of 13. He's got six brothers, six sisters. And one of his brothers, um, who actually lives in Michigan, has uh, got his son playing. And my dad just kind of put me on skates when I was three years old. It's, it's kind of like a hobby. And, and I just kind of went from there and he was building rinks in my backyard. So I just kind of fell in love with like skating and playing hockey. That's how it kind of started. Awesome. So now uh, I'm going to point this out because not a lot of Jets fans know this, uh, but being of Filipino descent myself, uh, your mom is Filipino, right? Is that correct? Yeah, my mom, my mom, uh, my mom and my, yeah, my mom's from the Philippines and my brother and sister were also born there. I was the only one out of the three siblings that, or the, my two siblings that, uh, born, I was born just outside of Chicago. Oh, wow. So did, how, how much of your childhood was like Filipino? Did you eat all the food and did your mom cook Filipino food for you? I, I, I can, I cook one meal and, and the only meal I ever cook is uh, adobo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> So that's the only thing I can cook. Otherwise, uh, yeah. That's, otherwise, I'm not. I'm not much in the kitchen. But yeah, I, I grew up eating pretty much uh, as far as from a Filipino, um, you know, food background. That that would be adobo is pretty much the only thing uh, <laughs> I kind of ate Filipino. But I love it, and it never gets old. And I, I try to tell people about it. And I've actually made it for people. And I don't think I've ever. I might be a hundred percent on that as far as people liking it. People love it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? When you when you first came came to Winnipeg. Um, I said to my wife, who's, who's, uh, you know, Canadian, right? So I said, you know, this guy looks Filipino to me. And then, and then, uh, I know Ron Cantaveros did a, did an article on you in the Filipino journal and, and, you know, kind of, kind of out of the fact that you were a Filipino. So, uh, just, uh, so I followed you a little bit closer than, than everybody else because, you know, you got to keep the, the Filipino thing. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I, I've been called many other things. People have thought I was like Hawaiian, Mexican. I mean, not not many people throw out the Filipino thing, but uh, hey, we'll stick together. I love it <laughs> for sure. So now you played. Uh, so I guess you played uh, youth hockey in, in 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 Chicago. Did you play high school hockey in Chicago? Yeah, I played. Uh, I went to a school, a Catholic uh, school outside of Chicago. It's called um, Fenwick High School, and I played two years there. Um, that was the only two years. And then after those two years, I went and, uh, played like on one of those triple a travel teams. So I just kind of did the two years and then, cause there was a rule you couldn't do both. Um, at the league, uh, the high school league didn't want players in and out because a lot of players, um, were missing games and stuff. So they kind of did this rule and my junior year in high school, I went and ended up playing on a travel team. Right. So now your, your path to the NHL is kind of not the, 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 I guess traditional path for for any hockey player, let alone one from the states. You, you, you were undrafted your your draft year, right? Yes, I was definitely undrafted. <laughs> I don't, I, if it was, I was able to gamble on me being drafted. I would put everything I had on me not getting drafted. So yeah, I was definitely not drafted. And so the big thing for you is you you played two years in the W in the USHL, right? Is is that where you started to find your game? I guess, or get, get some notoriety? Uh, you know what, Roddy? It's, it's kind of like a, the whole story is kind of just crazy. I mean, when I look back on it now, I was definitely very thankful. Um, you know, my parents my parents were just like, they were, I, I owe like pretty much everything to them. They just kind of, um, they let me just kind of play hockey. I mean, I don't know, because to give a, best, uh, a good example for, for them is they, you know, they like in my 14 years or 13 years of professional hockey I played. Like they've never met my agent. They never, you know, they never really made a decision on what I was going to do with my career if I was going to really play hockey. And they just let me kind of make decisions. And I thought that was something that was very important for me because I never really dreamed of playing in the NHL. I never really had that goal. Um, it was kind of like I knew my situation. I was realistic. I loved playing hockey, but I also played a bunch of other sports too. And when I kind of went to that travel team my junior year, uh, it was like a new team that came in because uh, at the time, uh, Chicago youth hockey and high school hockey or whatever wasn't very big. It's kind of, you know, the Blackhawks weren't, you know, popular and um, there wasn't much much exposure um, to like Illinois players trying to get, you know, play beyond uh, outside of Illinois or play, you know, play at a high level. So right. for me, I played on that travel team 
and uh, yeah, a new team came in, and Larry Petrie was the head coach. He was an assistant at Michigan, and he kind of came in, and he was – I owe a lot to him, but he um, – yeah, I just played two years in the Chicago Chill, the organization was called, and I got drafted at the USHL um, by Green Bay, and I really had no idea what that was. Right. And I just kind of went out to – they had my dad and I come out to a game, and it was about a three-hour drive, so we went to a game, and, you know, they, they had about 5,000 fans at the game, which was like a sold-out arena, and there was fighting, and it was just like – it was pretty awesome. So I ended up playing two years there, and then I ended up getting a scholarship to Duluth. So I – Honestly, I mean, I, the story keeps going. I, I mean, I'll let you ask the questions, but as far as finding my game, I would say that didn't happen until probably when I actually turned pro. So, okay. I, I I mean, my, my senior year in college, um, you know, which I can get into. I mean, I, I could keep going about it, but I maybe I, I don't want to be answering questions you haven't asked yet. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, as far as finding my game, it wasn't until uh, my, my first couple years in Finland. Right. Right. So, yeah, so the, that's what I was going to get at. You, you, you went to college. Uh, you, you had a little bit of the, you know, a cup of coffee with Portland in the AHL and then, and then you went to, to, to Jokerit, uh, in Finland. So what was the, what was that like? So, uh, you know, a kid growing up in, in Chicago and, you know, playing, playing at Minnesota Duluth, then, then, then heading to, to, to Finland to play. What, what was the culture shock yeah, there? I- no, it was, it was, yeah, and that was part of the whole kind of timeline of why I was saying kind of things are crazy because I, when I, when I did that thing in Portland, it was after my last year in uh, college, so it was a deci- it was a tough decision because as anyone knows that, that went to college and played there, it's, it's a really fun time. So mm-hmm. when the season ended, it was unfortunate, but it was also like that time where you're you're really looking forward to those last couple months to have a good time with your friends and college. And I didn't really, I left the next day and signed with Portland, and I think my little cup of coffee in Portland, which it definitely was, was more of a shock to me. I don't know if I was really ready to play professional hockey. I was, I wouldn't say I was scared, but it was just, you know, it was just different. It was, um, everything was kind of handed to you and, and set in stone in, in college and you didn't, you knew nothing was really going to happen to you. But then when you got the professional level, you're, you're kind of on your own. So I only, no. uh, my stats weren't great. I played like nine games. I came home and then that summer I had no offers. I had an offer and I think it was the East Coast League, which is fine, but, you know, I didn't really have any intentions or there was really nothing uh, as far as playing professional hockey. I didn't know exactly if that's what I wanted to do, but my agent called me at the time. Um, my agent's actually, uh, his name's Bill Zito from Acme Sports, and he's the assistant GM for Columbus now, but he was my agent for about, I don't know, 16 years. But he's a guy that I owe, I mean, if you want to get into people, if I would to kind of owe a lot of um my career too would be him. I mean, he was a guy that I kind of just listened to, but he had this thing going where he had a lot of players go over to Finland. Um, he, he looked for guys like me and, and guys that were undrafted and guys that were kind of just not really uh, noticed. And he did it with um, Brian Rafalski and Tim Thomas and uh, Billy Lano. Um, there's a, it's a pretty solid list. And, and then he kind of grabbed me um, kind of right in August and was like, uh, you know, he's like, you're 99% never going to play in the NHL. And that's just kind of how he was. It was something you, you know, and, and that was fine for me because I didn't really think I ever was going to. I mean, I was realistic and I, like I said, I wasn't drafted and I just knew the opportunity to get there would be pretty tough. So he was kind of saying like, hey, why don't you go to, I think you could go to Europe on um and, and play like a good, you know, you could have a career over there and make decent money. So that was kind of the goal. Right. And he sent me over there on a tryout and I went over there on a tryout. Uh, for five thousand dollars for my trial, <laughs> they gave me a free hotel and I played uh, five or six games, and then they ended up signing me. Um, and it was yeah, as far as a culture shock, it was definitely. I think that's where I matured. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, playing in the. You know, obviously I played in the minors, and, right. and a lot of my career was in the quote unquote like minor league, I guess. But I think you mature a lot. I think a lot of NHL players even today could use a year in the minors i think that's where you you learn a lot and, and you just mature as a person but over there i went over there by myself it was pretty crazy too yeah i it was definitely the culture shock wasn't too bad because scandinavia itself is the people most people spoke english um and it was just uh every day was just a new experience to start and i was the only american or north american on the team at the time and so you know, it was pretty quiet to get going, but then eventually you just get used to things like any team, and 
Um, our coach was North American, uh, right. Doug Shedden. He actually uh, coached, I think, for the Maple Leafs farm team for a little bit. Had played a bunch of games in the NHL. but And then we ended up getting um, another import, Clark Wilm, who played in the NHL. So I ended up getting a lot of experience from those two guys who really helped out my career. Doug Shedden's the guy I played for uh, three years out of by 14 years or 13 years or whatever. But, yeah, if, as far as living there, it was, uh, it was just a really good life experience. And Helsinki is one of – I loved it. It was one of my favorite places to live. You lit it up there too, like you're you're a point of game player, like um, the second year here. I'm well, so it just yeah, I mean, it, I I just saw you know it was the Olympic rink and I was able to use my skating, which I think was probably my biggest asset, um, especially being for a smaller guy. And um, it just so happened when my agent said that about never playing in the NHL, which I, I respected his honesty and I, I understood what he was saying. It just so happened that during those two years I played there, it was like the the hotbed for goalies. Like they had, uh, okay. I know Tuka Rask was in the league, Anthony Niemi, maybe Pecorini. I, I, he might have been out of there by then, but, uh, or he might have been after. I know we're the same age. But, anyways, I, and that's how that happened. I, I had a decent first year, and the second year, um, me and Billy Lano played together, and we, we had a really good year, and then I just caught the eye of the Maple Leafs, and that's kind of how I signed back here. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you know, the next year, uh, you know, come back to North America, you play for the Marlies, and you you lit it up with the Marlies. Like I'm looking at your stat line here: 28 goals, 51 assists, 79 points. Like that's you know that those are crazy numbers to me. But um, and and obviously the Maple Leafs took notice of you, and and you, you played was that at the end of the the season? You were like a end of year call up. Yeah, pretty much. It was. Um... Yeah, the Mar- you know, I, I'm just kind of one of those players that those years I, I had good years, and, and every player that's had a good year will will kind of say the same thing. But you just find a couple of chemistry with a couple guys, and I, I was playing with um, the Marlies that year. I was playing with Bates Battaglia, who was just kind of coming down from his NHL career, and uh, Yuri Toluski was a first-rounder, right. played a little bit. He played actually in Winnipeg. Yeah, he played. Yeah, he was a, um, he was a late call-up in 2014, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, so we uh, we just kind of connected. Yeah, and they, it's just everything just kind of went my way that year. And then I ended up getting called up for a few games in February. And then the trade deadline happened. They sent me down, and um, then they I played I think the last game of the year. But then I ended up getting traded that summer to Atlanta. Right. So you... Clearly they were clearly they were happy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It... No, but uh... well, you know what? And, and you know, growing up Filipino, right? You're, you're half Filipino. The, the biggest thing about Filipino in sport, Filipinos in sports, is we're we're very coordinated, we're quick, we're agile, and that, but we're short. Do you, do you think that had a lot to do with with how how teams looked at you and and how you're perceived uh, on the ice? Is, is is your height and your stature? Yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. think that's what everyone. Uh, you're too small, too short. Um, you know, and that was kind of still during that time. Uh, when they were, you know, still drafting, everyone had to be, you know, you had to be over six feet to get drafted. So, I, yeah, I, it definitely was um, something that played into a lot of things, but I never really, I don't know, I didn't really look at it like that. It, it is what it is. I understood the game. I understood what teams looked for. So I just kind of went with whatever was willing to give me a chance. And um, But, yeah, I would say that the whole height thing and, and – the size, uh, yeah, my size and height and weight and all that definitely played a role in, in, in not getting opportunities. But I think, you know, when I look back, I, I'm definitely very lucky at some of the opportunities I got too. So, right. So then, when you you traded to the Thrash, and I, I guess a positive with, with being in the Thrashers organization is you got to play for a hometown team, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. So that summer we, uh, I came in kind of penciled in as like the 13th forward. Uh, I pretty much played the entire camp, and we signed. Uh, they ended up signing a guy like two days before the camp ended, which was uh, that Maxim Afanaganov, who's over in Russia right now, who, who was ended up scoring 20 goals that year. But so I uh, I ended up getting sent down, and yeah, the the farm team was the Chicago Wolves, which um, you know was a blast for me because I was home and and had a lot of friends, and the Wolves organization is. is borderline pretty much an NHL organization the way they treat the players and the staff there and it was really fun to play there and it was just a it was a big uh, honor in my career to play there because it was just a lot of fun and and they gave me uh they just treated everyone well and it was just good to be home 
And then you got you got to play with the Thrashers at the end of the season again. Um, you know, two goals. And and what what uh, what happened after that season? Uh, yeah, I got called up. Me and Chris Chelios got called up. It was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up signing with the Wolves, and then me and him, I was like, I just thought that was funny that me and him got called up together. He ended up becoming a friend of mine, so he's a, he's a, just, he's a legend. He's the best. So, it's, uh, no, that summer, I was still on a one-way contract. I ended up signing, oh, sorry, no, 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 that's six games, not my fault. I'm, I'm yeah. missing it. I'm a year early here. No, the six games, yeah, I, so I came back, so that summer, my agent, the Chelios in that story wasn't until the next year, but my agent and, or no, it might have been that year. I don't know. But uh, my agent was like claiming that I was going to get a one-way contract and it was like he was trying to get one and he really thought the Thrashers were going to give me one. And I realistically, I mean, now that my career is over, I could definitely, you know, and he's not my agent anymore, but I, was, <laughs> I thought he was crazy. So I, you know, I had 10 NHL games and I understood you know, how NHL teams work and the business works. But I appreciated that. That's what he was trying to go for. So we kind of held out on that and tried to get it. We thought we were getting it. And July 1st came, and obviously we didn't get it. And, um, you know, I kind of listened. To, I just kind of rode uh, his advice, and we just kind of held out and held out and just trying to sign the best deal we could. And um, I ended up uh, just waiting too long, kind of. And I ended up watching training camp that summer, you know, and I just came off like a pretty good year with the Wolves and I was still young. And right. here I am sitting on my, you know, I, my brother's couch watching training camp, exhibition games in the NHL, which I should have been at a camp by then. And I was watching games and then I just ended up signing. Um, I was thinking about going over to Russia and then I ended up signing uh, like a 25 game contract with San Antonio because Phoenix ended up calling and Phoenix wanted to do a deal, but they had an issue with uh, their their number of contracts. I think you're allowed to do, I don't know if it's changed, but you're allowed to do up to like 50 contracts and they were on like 49 or something. And they said they needed to send a couple guys down and all this crazy stuff. And I think at the time Phoenix, I don't know what the situation is now, but the NHL I think was like owned, owned Phoenix at the time. Yeah. And they're, having a lot of issues so I had to play for their farm team because I, I almost signed in Manitoba with actually Claude Noel and uh oh, right. yeah yeah I almost signed there for the 25 game contract they offered me more money at the time and it was just like a prorated deal which made me a free agent while I played and then I went to San Antonio played the 25 games and then Atlanta signed me for two years uh, after that 25 game contract so how was that last last season in Atlanta like you, you came in. You was, yeah, yeah. I came in like around November. Was pretty much up the whole year. Um, I I loved Atlanta. I mean, you know, the fans that came and the fans were great. Even though, unfortunately, we kind of that's kind of what we lacked the most was uh, fans at times. You know, when you're playing a Tuesday game and you can hear the guy sneeze up in section 300. Um, <laughs> you know, there's not many fans at the game, but uh, it it was great because we just kind of flew under the radar. I, I know a lot of the guys loved it. The weather was always great, and then um, it, the, the facilities were great. And we had a pretty solid team. The locker room was great. Everyone, um, it was fun. I, I loved playing in Atlanta. So it was, um, it, you know, I, I, yeah, and and I think everyone that kind of played there loved it. So it was it was a good time there. And unfortunately, you know, obviously now with Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg's the best in my opinion. I think the fans, the passion of the fans, and it's it's obviously was was what the best move was to move to Winnipeg and what was had to happen. But, you know, if it didn't happen and we were stuck in Atlanta, it definitely wasn't a, a bad place. I It was it was awesome. And I had a lot of fun there and a lot of good memories. So I'm going to mix in a couple questions from, from people who tweeted into, you know, the, the Jet-centric podcast. I mean, uh, the Jet-centric Twitter account and my account. But the first one's from Shane K. And his question was, what was the mood – of the team right after the announcement of the team moving to um, to Winnipeg from Atlanta. Um, you know, we were we kind of knew we knew the writing was on the wall. We knew it was going to possibly happen. Um, I don't think we knew we were going to go to Winnipeg though. I thought they were talking about a couple other cities, but uh, for me, it was definitely a shock. I mean, you're you're training all summer um, to go to a certain place, and then you wake up one day and you. You got to go to a whole different place. So, um, and we just kind of knew that 
it was all it was a shock, but it was also exciting, and we also knew it was going to be different. I mean, I know I called a couple players like uh, Wheeler, obviously, and Mark Stewart, and guys that uh, were on the team at the time, and you know, we were. It was a shock, but it was also exciting because, and like I said, in Atlanta, it wasn't. It was like we were really. No one knew we had a team in Atlanta, so it was mm-hmm. kind of like just free and just do whatever you want, play hockey. And we knew we were going to a market that was really passionate, best fans in the league by far. And just knowing that uh, it was going to be a little bit, I don't want to say more serious, but, yeah, kind of. And, and uh, we just knew it was going to be pretty fun to play hockey. So it, there was definitely a lot of excitement. And I think when you look back now, it's definitely the right move. And everyone that experienced Winnipeg, I can tell you, loves, loves Winnipeg. <laughs> so it was good. So – uh, when was the first time you came to Winnipeg as a Jet? Like, um, was it in the summer sometime? Did you work out out here, or, or did you? Did you? I just came go? there. Me and Blake Wheeler. I, I, I uh, we came up in the in August to look at a. Uh, he was more looking at. I didn't know my situation. I was on a one way contract, but everyone got fired from Atlanta, who was kind of like buying into right. me, and, like that trusted me. So when they all got fired, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I knew there was a possibility. I could. I don't know, like it's sent down or whatever. But obviously, Will, he was looking at like houses, and I was looking at like hotel rooms. But we were, uh, <laughs> both, yeah, we were both looking at like places to stay. But I was kind of just going with him, and and uh, we ended up just kind of spending a few days. So that was kind of the first time I was here. We played around the golf and um, just kind of hung out a little bit. But that was, uh, yeah, that was probably like early August, and then I didn't come back until camp. Okay, and how was that? Like, because I know the first camp here was just. You know, it was not so. Like everybody wanted to get a piece of anything that was Winnipeg Jets, from pretty much from the the end of May to to you know, basically every day after that was about the Jets. I know that you know myself. I you know I listened to the announcement on the radio, and that 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 was just how it was in Winnipeg. It, it's something that we were all waiting for. So when you guys hit the ice for training camp, um. You know, and it was it was finally here. I know that there was such a fever in this city. Like, can can you can you describe what it was like for you as a player coming into that type of situation here? Pretty much, I mean, I I experienced. I mean, not nearly. Like I said, Winnipeg is kind of like their own. Um, but like I said, the passion is just a, at a whole other level. I mean, I played in Toronto and got to play like in you know at at the Leafs. Uh, stadium and and you know the Marlies were in Toronto so it wasn't like I I left the city I was there all year obviously it was crazy there and I already experienced kind of playing in Canada but yeah I mean it was definitely a a shock in a positive way because you know in Atlanta you couldn't really get you couldn't even couldn't give tickets away you know so Mm -hmm. now you go to Winnipeg and it's like you can't even you're getting noticed like in the grocery store especially (laughs) a guy like me not really used to that but um yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was just I just I just took it all in and, and enjoyed it. And obviously, when it came to playing, I just tried to you know play as hard as I could and maintain a roster spot and stay on the team. And and um, but as far as from outside of the rink, uh, it was awesome. It was just a really cool experience. I think a lot of things you experience um, that you know not a lot of people can experience in life. So to be able to kind of just uh, like yeah, for me, I just kind of took it all in and try to enjoy it as much as I could. So I got a couple of questions here from uh, Alistair. He's a contributor of the show here, Alistair Mowat. Uh One question is, uh, what was your top place to eat in Winnipeg if you if you had one? Oh, probably that um, – oh, I can't even remember the names for some reason. There was a sushi place. Um, what was that called? I became, the guy's name is Will, too. I forgot. Oh, that's, I, I, that would uh, be – that would be wasabi, wasabi, sabi on Taylor. Yeah, I'm a big fan of sushi, so I <laughs> ate there a lot. And then that once in a while, that steak place, that five two nine Wellington, I think it is. Nice. You, you know what's ironic uh, is is that is that sushi place? I designed I designed the kitchen for it. So you know how it was an open. No kitchen. way. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, we would go. I would go there a lot. And I would take <laughs> sake bombs with Will. <laughs> get fired, right? Does Will own the place? Yeah, Will, Will was one of is one of the partners. There, yeah, now, I wouldn't take him on nights before games, so I hope the fans. <laughs> he's a huge a fan. He's a huge fan too. I know that. <laughs> no, yeah, tell him I said hello. That no, no, the sushi was great, and it was yeah, we went there a lot. Me and Bogosian would always go there a lot, and um, and then that as far as the steakhouse. But then there was uh, you know, I'd go to do the Moxies and Earl thing a lot, and um, but probably the yeah, wasabi was probably my favorite place. 
So Oli Backstrom uh, tweeted in. I, I just did this in. Um, he, re- which current Jet do you relate to the most, given given your experience? None yeah. of them. They're all better than me. Um, <laughs> do you follow the Jets at all? Do you, do you still follow the Jets? Yeah, actually, you know what I do. I, I keep in touch with uh, Wheeler and, and Buff when, um quite a bit more more Wheeler. Buff's not a big texter, so. I <laughs> I usually see them once a summer or try to get the, you know, we used to do a thing when I played there. And Little used to be involved in lad, lad. we go on vacation a little bit and just kind of hang out. But um, Wheeler, I probably talk to the most. And then uh, Buff, I'll, I'll talk to a little bit. I usually try to do a fishing trip with Buff or go see him up by his place. But, um, yeah, no, I actually do follow them. I, I follow them quite a bit. I wouldn't say like crazy, but, you know, it's um, enough to – to be a you know I'm a fan so it's uh, it's pretty fun to watch him. Um, I don't know who I would I just think the game's different now you know it's uh, I don't know who I mean who feeds Buff one timers on the point. I guess that's the only thing I really offered to the team. I was a fourth line guy that played a little bit of power play but I mean if you're gonna say it's like Morrissey or something then I definitely don't compare to that guy because an unbelievable player but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is there any little short Filipino guys on the team? <laughs> There's a little short guy that that, that that that's that's mired in the press box a little too much, but for for our liking. But Nick Fatan, I think, yeah, would be, so, yeah, would yeah, be. Yeah, I guess, but he's more probably he's probably a little bit grittier than I am. So I, I you know, I, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I never really thought about that. So I I don't know. He kind of stumped me on that. I don't really have an exact answer. So I I, I really don't know. Do you, do you follow fellow Filipino hockey players at all, or do you know of them? Not really, but I know that I think like three, four years ago, some something came out. I don't know if it was like Dumba. Yeah, Dumba. Du, yeah, Dumba's mom is exactly like he's exactly like yeah, he, his Anthony mom. Stu, Anthony Anthony Stewart sent me something one time that some someone in an uh, <laughs> in like an article said like the first Filipino hockey player, and I was I got like all upset. I was like. <laughs> That's how much people. That's how much I was not recognized for my cup of coffee. In <laughs> but I thought I thought I was the first one, but apparently he might have been, or someone was recognized for it. But I don't really know. I don't. I don't know who. Uh, I mean, I know Dumba is, but I don't really. Is that, who else is? I'm just Dumba. That's all I know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I do not. I do not follow Dumba. <laughs> but he's a lot younger than you. You're officially the first Filipino in the NHL. So. No, that's that's insane. what I thought. I was kind of telling people that until that came out. Then I kind of kept my mouth shut. So I was trying to take credit for that, but apparently that's not the case. I'm not. I'm not known for uh, being Filipino. Were you approached by the Philippine national team to do anything with them? Did, did you? I, is, there, is there is there actually a Filipino national? Team? <laughs> yeah, there's actually a Filipino national. No, team. I, w- I was definitely not approached by them. But if there was, <laughs> I would I would come out of retirement to play for them. That'd be awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet at you and 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 uh, add their handle in there so that you guys can get in touch. If you have any inside uh, inside to that? Yeah, then that, I would definitely go play. For the <laughs> I think that'd be, a, that'd be hilarious. That'd be awesome. Um, Don Carpenter wants to ask the 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 origin of your Twitter handle. I kind of I kind of have an idea, but um, your Blue Sweetie oh. Twitter handle. Obviously, that's a play on your Asianness to some to some extent. Yeah, it's kind of an Asian thing. It, there's actually who someone. I think I saw it under like a. It was actually not a not a good situation. It was like someone was kind of getting hazed for being Asian, and someone wrote that, and I actually laughed out loud to it. And I'm like, <laughs> and someone was yeah, someone was obviously an Asian thing, and um, then when Wheeler actually made my account for me, and he was asking me, what, he's like, what do your name want to be? And I was like, Blue's Free. <laughs> And I'm like, think about it. And he's laughed. It's like perfect. Because really. <laughs> every every Asian male over the age of thirty, you know, had had Bruce Lee as one of their childhood heroes at one point in time. For sure, for sure. So I, I um, I'm a big fan of Bruce, and uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to. That's kind of how that came up. It was more of a joke thing, and it kind of stuck, and then we just left it at that. Yeah. So uh, Carter Chen. I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, he, he's, he, he tweets a question. He wants me to ask you if you remember getting Burger King with him after a night out. LOL. Do you remember? Oh. 
Carter's. Uh, is- I mean, I've I've eaten burger in quite a, quite a few times in my life, so I I don't remember. I don't know where's the I don't know where the Burger King's at there. No, I don't remember, but I remember <laughs> eating Burger King. This was like two days ago, but I don't think it was with Carter. So, unfortunately, I'm sorry that I don't remember that time. So uh, here's a moment. Like Paul Quay tweeted this at me, and and it's a moment that that all of us remember from that first year. Is uh, describe the situation. Describe the game. It was in Washington in in March. Uh, the Caps get out to a three nothing lead. Uh, you guys claw back and tie the game. Set the stage for overtime there, uh, Mr. Stapleton. Oh, uh, you know, obviously that was a really cool experience for me. Um, probably one of the greatest goals I've scored in my career. I mean, being a regular, I mean, I know it's just a regular season goal and game, I don't know, 75 of the season. But I, I knew the situation as far as, we were still in a playoff hunt, so I knew that extra point was important. But I think, um, you know, I give a lot of, a lot of, you know, I guess for that to even be in that opportunity. Claude Noel, that's what I really liked about him is he was just kind of, he was honest with me, and he let me, you know, the better I did, the you know, the more I kind of played. And I think our line actually scored. It was me, Ben Maxwell, and Spencer Mahachek, and I think we scored three out of the four goals, including the overtime one. But I, it was more of a blur to me. And, I, and to this day, it's funny because if you watch it, I think Buffman wasn't trying to pass that to me. I think he was actually trying to, like, toe-drag the guy and <laughs> kind of fell off the stick into my in – and I just kind of came down the came down the slot there. And I just um, – no, I was just uh, – yeah, I don't know. Everything was just going my way that day. The puck was just on – or at that, that moment, the puck just kind of was following me and – that was, that, um, that was a big snipe, though. Yeah, it was a it was a big. No, snipe. I, 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 you know, I, it's it's where, uh, yeah, it was it was a really cool moment for me. I just kind of used the defenseman as a screen, and was I trying to hit that exact spot? I was, you know, I'd be lying if I said yeah, but I was I was definitely trying to, you know, shoot it to that side because I, I knew the goalie kind of wasn't able to see everything, and 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 it went in, and um, yeah, it was a pretty happy moment for me. So after after the Jets and you know they didn't sign you you're, you're obviously a UFA after after that year you you made the decision to go to the K now you you said you were you were thinking about going to the K six or seven years prior right um, but how how was that how how was how is Russia how was Russia because you played there for what four years yeah so. I actually had a deal back in Winnipeg. and I mean, I don't have any regrets in my career, but sometimes I think about it. But they did offer me to come back, um, and it was a it was a good situation. You know, it was a situ- it was a deal that I definitely wanted. But we all knew the lockout was happening, mm-hmm. and I kind of just was like, we knew it was going to go to about January, which I think it did go up to like January, right? Mm-hmm. I think that late that year. So, so I went over there on a deal with uh, not signing with Winnipeg, and then. I had like a handshake agreement with the team I was on in Russia that once the lockout ended, if Winnipeg was still interested, um, I would come back and play the rest of the year. Um, but at the time I had a, I had a good year in Russia that year. Um, and we were like, it's just the, the season start earlier there. So when that lockout ended, we we only had like five games left. So they didn't let me go. And I don't even know, I think Winnipeg was interested, but nothing really too crazy. Um, and even if they were, uh, the Russian team didn't let me go, but as far as the experience, um, it was good. I mean, it was, uh, I loved it. I mean, I, I would say I complained a lot while I was out there. I think every, everyone does. Cause <laughs> definitely talk about culture shock. I thought that was my biggest culture shock was over there, but I, I, um, yeah, I mean, I can write a book about Russia. I don't even know where it goes, but, uh, <laughs> I did. I did tell. I, I might be going on spit and chicklets in the future, and I told him I there's a couple of stories I have that we're going to do like a Russian episode. So I'm going to save those. But they. Um, you no, know, the overall experience was good. It was, uh, you know, there's, um, you know, I think the biggest difference was like, you know, Russians in general are just they're just different people, but in a, in a great way. I think sometimes when people tell their experiences there, it, it it makes Russia sound bad, but it's really not. It's it's just different and. Uh, overall, um, I'm really happy I did it. I'm thankful I did it. I think a lot of, you know, when I talk about my career to people now um, that that ask about it, which is not really a lot of people, but when it does come up, 
Um, the stories about Russia actually trump um, any NHL story. I tell right, like, I people are pretty fascinated about what goes on over there. So it was definitely a great experience, and, and I had a, you know, obviously I ended up staying a couple more years. So um, overall, I'm just really happy I did it. What's your What's your wildest Russians Russia story? Oh man, I, it's kind of it might be R rated. Uh, this is a podcast. It's not really rated. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, no, I don't think I don't know. I can't. I I don't know. I get. I, I'm trying to. That's a tough one. I mean, um, you know, I don't really. I have a couple stories in mind. They're long. They're they're better if you're having a couple beers or some wine. But okay, okay. Not, you know, so. We'll we'll save we'll save that for an after hours uh, podcast maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll do that and then you can tell it yourself and butcher it and make me look really bad. But, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean it's just there's like three you know what I, it's just kind of like when you were in Russia it's like what the saying was like whatever didn't make sense makes sense so it was just like <laughs> uh, they just did things you know there was like three phases when you lived there like you were the first phase because it was more of the people like when you're on an airplane for example and you land you know like in in north america it goes row by row to get off the plane like the guy from that's sitting by the bathroom in, in russia he's just bombing up the plane and there's like no structure so you have to like you have you just you have to have like no care you have to have like no emotion you have to like elbow your way out you don't care if, the, if it's an 80 year old lady or a five-year-old kid you're just like bowing your way out to, to get off the plane or if you're in an elevator, and the elevator opens, you know, these are stupid little things, but it's just kind of fascinating when you're living there and you're experiencing every day. But you're in an elevator and it opens, like everyone on the outside just rushing in, not letting the people come out of the elevator. So that's another example where you're just like, you know, you the three phases, you, you, you're fascinated at first, like, wow, this is just like pretty uh, fascinating how everyone is. And then the second phase is you start getting like pissed off, you know, like it's just like, You'll be in line at a grocery store, and the guy behind you—if you look like a, like to, to the left, like the guy behind you is just like cutting in front of you. Just like things that would easily cause like a fight over here in North America, <laughs> and it just happens every day. And you know, you and then the third phase is you just don't care anymore, and you just start living like them. And then I, I love the way they live. They're very—they just—they're not fake people. I love Russians. They're very just like you know, they don't talk like you're gonna public place like an elevator no one's asking like how your day's doing or anything like that everyone's pretty quiet and everyone just kind of focuses on themselves and when you when you live there you kind of get used to that and it's, i i no i had i had a good time there i mean i could keep going on and on about this <laughs> and uh but overall i'm, I'm very uh lucky and, and thankful and it was a great experience in my life for sure awesome so who's who's the best hockey player you've ever played with Played with, yeah. Uh, probably, um, we'll you know probably the guys on the Jets. I mean, when you get to the NHL, you're obviously playing with the best players in the world. I played with Joe Pavelski in Russia during the lockout. Mm. Um, he was probably top three easily, just like his hockey sense. I played with Paul Stasny at World Championships. He's really, you know, my 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 thought process or or how I feel like what makes a player. Um, above and beyond others is just the way they think the game. I think everyone at some point is very skilled. Um, obviously, there's, a, you know, people that are very, like, more skilled than others and things like that. But I just think a, a player that, you know, even like the guest, uh, Wellwood, I, I just thought Kyle, uh, his knowledge and his hockey sense was mm-hmm. very, he was very intelligent. So I based that question off of, like, your intelligence. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I probably, there's a, there's a handful of guys, that could probably go in that category that I was lucky enough to play with. and um, But, uh, yeah, I'd say probably those guys I kind of mentioned. And, you know, Buff's a freak, so <laughs> you don't really get back opportunities. Uh, and, you know, the, the, how big that guy is and the way he moves and, and, what he, and how strong he is, it's pretty incredible. You don't really come across players like that much. So what he brings to the table is, is, is very rare. Um, so he's definitely up there and, and just unique what he does and, um, obviously, Wheels. He just does everything. Um, he can play any any kind of style you want to play. I mean, he, he can be the hardest worker guy, working guy on the ice, which he he is most of the time. He can slow the game down. He can do everything at full speed. He just kind of brings everything to the table too. So there's um, a handful of guys there that uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to play with. Awesome. So do you have a a, a best Winnipeg story? 
of your time here or about oh. this baby? No, I I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I I oh man, that's a, you know what? I might have to like write you. I don't know. Let me. I gotta think about that. Why well, I, I No, I I don't know. I gotta think. Cause I gotta think what what's crossing the line and what's not. So there, um, there's there's no line to be crossed here at Jet Center. No, I know. <laughs> uh, probably. I don't have one right now. I'm sorry. That's okay. I mean, I could tell you like. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll replace it with a funny. One of my funniest stories, it's not really a Winnipeg story, but at my first call-up uh, with Toronto, I, it was kind of a, the whole story was, was a, I'll give you the cliff note version, but the funny <laughs> part of it, which was, I don't know, it's not hilarious, but it was kind of a, it was an embarrassing moment. But I got called up, and uh, I was down at a restaurant the day I got called up. I was eating with my agent and a couple guys, and the, the Leafs were playing that night. And, uh, I, you know, long story short, I ended up getting called up at that dinner. Um as the Leafs game was on and they had another game in, in Long Island the next day and someone went, someone got hurt. I think it was John Mitchell or, or someone. And I got a call right at the dinner table and they're like, you have to run home now, not run, but you have to get home now, put a suit on, you know, pack a bag for like two days. Cause we're going to Ottawa after Long Island. And then uh, you're in the lineup tomorrow. So that was like kind of how my call up happened. I was just literally at a dinner Kind of like complaining, bitching to my agent, like, am I going to get called up? Not that <laughs> it should have been, but it was like late in the season. I think the Leafs were mathematically out of the playoffs. So I had every right to kind of bitch about maybe just get – I just wanted to play that one game. So I, uh, sure enough, during the conversation, I got called up, and it was just, it was kind of like surreal, and, and it was almost like fake how it happened. But as uh, I came down to the rink after I put a suit on and packed a bag, and they just wanted a shootout, and we had to go to the airport. Uh, to get on this plane, so I drove, uh, I jumped in a car with a couple guys on the team, and, uh, you know, I was nervous, like, I wasn't really mm. saying much, it was, and I knew a few guys from training camp, and we're obviously living the same city, so you kind of come across the guys, so it wasn't like, I didn't really know anyone, I was familiar with a few guys, so I was just quiet, and just didn't know what to think, and I'm, uh, to myself, I'm like, am I really playing in the NHL tomorrow, like, it was just a surreal moment, but the funny part was, we got to the airport, and uh, we had to do, like, this quick, like, customs thing, and it was... I was in line with Antro, so you got you got me, who's like five five, <laughs> got Antropoff, who's like six ten, and then you got Jamal Mayer, who was like you know could be in the UFC. So it's like <laughs> us three, and we're in line at the security. Uh, we're just doing like this quick security thing. That clearly this the security guy checking like passports and going through like the security thing was like a huge Leafs fan. So he's he's taking autographs from everyone going through. So it goes like Jamal Mayers goes first and then Antrofoss and then me. And I, I see what's going on. And, you know, I kind of go through the security thing and this guy had like a note notebook out, like having guys sign the thing. So I kind of, <laughs> I, I just kind of went with the routine of like what everyone's doing. So I went up to the thing and I went, and he's like, no, no, this is for the players. <laughs> and so, a couple guys are like, I think Antro was like, no, he, he he just he's a player. And the guy was like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, I thought you were like a like a team masseuse. And I was like, <laughs> so I just got called off. It was like the most exciting thing for me. And this guy thinks he wanted he wanted me to sign his thing. He thought I was like a massage guy. You're the you're the stick taper. So, <laughs> exactly. So. I've had that happen a couple of times. Not necessarily. And he literally was like, "Are you the?" I thought you were like a team of suit. I don't know if it was an Asian thing or what, but, but I've had a couple of times at past at the doing the passport thing uh, where guys uh, they've questioned me like, "Are you on the team? Are you part of the team?" Yeah. So that's crazy. I, I ran with it. It's funny, but yeah. So that's okay. awesome. Okay, so a couple a couple last things, and I'll I'll let you go. There's this uh, DHG. I don't know if you saw this the other day. Uh, UMD penalty box. He just he, he just wants to thank you for stepping in and not letting Wade Dublovitz, uh kick his ass at some strip mall bar in Denver. Do you have a recollection of that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I I'm surprised I even prevented someone from kicking someone's ass. I, I I don't know I don't know how you'd stop a fight, especially if the guy's. Like... He, I know he clearly thought I I must have knew like kung fu or something, but um I well, don't. You are blue three. I'm more of a I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. So I, I don't know. I'm I I don't recall that story, but if if that's what I did do, then I I was happy to help the guy out. So. So you you've re- you retired this year, right? Yeah, yeah, I I uh I retired in March. I played over in Germany and, and um 
finished, and then I just kind of uh, I got two little kids, so I'm just kind of wanted to be around them a little bit more. So I'm I'm healthy and just yeah yeah I guess yeah I retired. <laughs> yeah. So what are you what are you doing now? Uh not much. Just uh, I'm a obsessive golfer, so obviously golf season's over right now, but I probably played at least a hundred rounds, maybe a hundred fifty oh, nice. rounds this summer. Uh, I, 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 actually, I actually live in Michigan. I live, I moved, I bought a place about five years ago, um, kind of like on Lake Michigan, um, about 60 miles outside Chicago, and just oh. kind of a little bit more quiet. It's quieter, and I, I belong to this uh, small little golf course uh, out here, and it's just kind of a, a, a nice place to do, like, my hobbies. I like to fish and golf, and, and I go to the city once in a while. It's only, like, an hour drive, but... Uh, I actually started a um, – one of the reasons I retired is I, I started – it's not a joke. It's serious. I'm, I'm actually taking this serious. But I, I actually started a um, – you ever heard of Biltong, B-I-L-T-O-N-G? No. All right. So Biltong is basically – it's uh, if you look, if you Google Biltong, it's, a, it's like a – it's a cured dried meat. That's all it really is. And it's, 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 it originated in South Africa. It's basically South Africa's version of beef jerky. So mm-hmm. I started like a – my partner, uh, my business partner, who's who's um, who actually started it. He's a, a friend of mine named Jim Mullins, who older older guy who's like my golf buddy, and he lives kind of just by me out here. He he just retired. He's about sixty years old. Um, his he was uh, he came from a family. Uh, his family business um, is a private label company that makes all the sauces for McDonald's. So they, he was sent out to South Africa in like the 90s to make sauce and open up a plant out there. And while he was out in South Africa, he ended up staying there for like 10 years and was introduced to this biltong, this South African beef jerky. And it's, it's, uh, it just started kind of coming over to the U.S. in the last few years. So he asked me to partner up with him and start this, this company. And I think um, it's really good. I've actually had some of the players. I know Wheeler, I gave some, and I don't know. I, I, I sent some to the national series last year, so I'm going to take credit for that that series win. But nice. <laughs> I sent some down, down to Nashville, and uh, it's kind of like a healthier kind of snack. And it's a, a built tongue is um, it's not beef jerky, but it's very similar. It's a lot more tender, and um, that's kind of like what I'm, I'm. That's my main focus right now is what I'm trying to get up and running. And we're probably going to be, you know, I got some sampling stuff going, but we're probably going to launch here in the next month or two, and wow. I'm going to try to run. I had it down in the Rangers locker room. I had, uh, gave some to Kevin Hayes, and then I had uh, I'm going to go out to San Jose and give some to Pavelski. So I think it's something that uh, eventually a lot of athletes are going to eat, not just hockey, but um, that's going to be kind of my target. And then my partner's target, uh, obviously him being in the food industry, has a lot of connections. And I think there's just um, a lot of people like it. And I, I love it. So I'm very passionate about it, and it's something that um, I'm going to really – I think has a lot of potential. I, I understand how – how hard it is to get things going from a from a start startup standpoint, but that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I went from hockey to selling uh, South African jerky. Awesome. Um, is, it gonna, is it gonna be available in Canada? Are you are you, are you looking to get? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to expand as, as much as I could. Um, you know, we're we're doing it the right way. We're not. Uh, it's gonna be. I think we're starting more doing like online sales we, we've met with some big pretty uh pretty big retail chains to start that have tried it and loved it and um but we you know our, our biggest issue right now is uh something that we're going to definitely try to market but it's, it's, you know no one knows what really built tongue is but i think it's something that the consumer education is something we're really going to focus on the start and i think once we get product in the people's hands and i, I think i personally think built tongue if you look at if you google it there's a big history on it it's pretty impressive and it's good and then i think eventually it's going to compete with the beef jerky market which i think is huge now so it's uh there's like i said there's a lot of potential for it and it's something i'm all in on and i'm excited to do and if it doesn't work out i'll, I'll move forward with something else but it's definitely uh had a play and and, and why i kind of retired cause i think as an athlete um transitioning into something else after doing something for 30 years uh it, it's hard so I'm, I'm lucky that i got an opportunity right now and i think at the end of the day i'm just going to take everything i can and learn from it and hopefully it's a success or it works out and it's not hopefully i'm smarter from it so we'll see yeah you know what one of my co-workers is south african i'm going to have to ask her about about the built on i but... guarantee right now i'll bet you we can do a we can do a, a, a live bet here so everyone witnesses this, but <laughs> you, it's, a, it's a she or he it's a she. It's a she. Yeah. Do, you, 
she's from South Africa? Yeah, her whole family's from South Africa, yeah. You will 100% know what Bill Tung is. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll have to ask her about it. She's, she's going to be like, it's, yeah, it's good. The South Africans love it. It's like a luxury treat out there. Like, they used to have, uh, back in the day, they used to, like, you when, you when you went to South Africa, they had, like, Bill Tung dogs. Like, when you got off the plane to come back, like, to the States or wherever you were going, yeah. like, dogs, or when you were leaving South Africa, like, dogs would sniff your luggage for Bill Tung. Like, it was crazy. Oh, because you couldn't take it back. They didn't want you to take it back. You couldn't take it back, yeah. yeah That's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> So Bill Tung, Bill Tung, entrepreneur and and possibly uh, head coach of the Philippine national team. Is that is that maybe what you're gonna? Yeah, do? I would I would drop everything. Don't tell my boss <laughs> or my partner. But anything for the Filipino national team. So obviously you've been back to the Philippines. Have you been back to the Philippines or? I've never been there. You've never been, and your and your and your siblings no, are born. So. I'm a fake Filipino. I, I know. I just, I just rode this whole Filipino card, but I've never even been there. No, I, my, bro, my mom, brother, and sister were born there, and then I was born over here, and we've never never gone back. So, I mean, my mom's gone back at times, and my sister's gone over there, but I've, it's a place I really want to go to. I've heard actually unbelievable things, so I would love to go there. So, wow. I mean, you know, definitely this, on the bucket list for me. To be on the so. Southeast Asian Championship Filipino national team, you know, that's that's worth going to the Philippines for, for sure, I would think. Wait, was that, were you on it? No, oh, I wasn't. No, I just, you know. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were just kind of like quietly bragging about no. it. No. Oh, you were saying, oh, you were saying if I, yeah, that would, I would definitely go, oh, I'd go tomorrow if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> no, one day I, I, I just log on to Twitter and, and, and a, Philippine national team followed me on Twitter, so I don't know how they got. Oh man, I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Well, I'm kind of jealous. Well, you know, I'm you've like, never, I'm you've like, never I'm been there, so. I, well, I, yeah, I mean, can you maybe you can edit that part? Okay, yeah, I'll take it out and <laughs> send them the podcast, and and I'll make this a verbal yeah. verbal application to to the team then. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, you ever come up here? Like to yeah, I've been there. Uh... Yep, I was there. I'll come every year for the. You know, I was there when they beat the Wild this year. Nice. And then our last season, and then I was there uh, for playoffs. And then uh, I can't. I've come uh, last two playoff series. Or the who did they play the first time? I they play or uh, the Ducks. I came during the, the Ducks. series, and then I came to Minnesota. So anytime they're in the playoffs, I'm a hundred. I'll hundred percent come. But now that I'm done playing. You know, I, I know Wheels begs me a lot to come up. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know if he listens to this show, so maybe "beg" is not the right word. <laughs> if, I, if he heard that, he would completely deny that. He doesn't beg for me to come up, but he's asked for me to come, so uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll definitely be coming coming back there. I love Winnipeg. I, it's always a good time. I, I love the. I just love being there. It's 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 a hockey town, and uh, it was pretty cool for me to be able to say I I got the chance to to play there and and. Um, Usually when I go back there, it's a, it's usually a fun, fun couple days. So it's uh, yeah, I, I will definitely be back there at some point. Well, when you're back, we'd love to have like a live show, and then maybe you could you can tell us your you know R-rated stories of Russia and and, and all, yeah, all the other stories. R-rated. I'm just trying to. I would have to like really. I have a lot of them, and like I said, if you get me rolling, um, especially over a couple drinks, they'll just keep coming. I mean, they have to kick me off the show, but I have, yeah, I'll think of a couple. It's just hard to, yeah, I don't know. You got me like all nervous now. There's some pretty good ones. I mean, there a lot of them are very similar. I'm, I'm sure like Nigel Dodds is a guy that probably has a ton of them, but yeah. uh, he's been over there for like, I don't know, like for 10 sure. years. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I would love to come back. Uh, if you guys are doing a live show or something, I, I would, this is fun. I love doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you launch your, when you, when you launch your build on, you know, come on and promote it. Like we'll we'll promote the the heck out of it for the two. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you asked it at the end of the show because if I would have said that at the beginning of the show, I just would have hung up after. That's all I really wanted to do. Was <laughs> I I kind of guessed that. I kind of guessed, you know. <laughs> no, not for sure, sure. I mean, once once I get the finalized product, like we are packaging and website and all that stuff, just finalized. We're just waiting on a couple FDA approval and a few things that need to clear to clear up, and then. We're gonna be ready to launch, and I think there's. I'm excited about it. I, I'm definitely. I'm ask your friend that was in South Africa, and I'm. I'm guaranteed she's gonna say a lot of good things about it. If she doesn't, then I, you know, I guess I owe you whatever we didn't. We, we. I don't know if we made it better. <laughs> but 
Dinner's, if she doesn't like it, dinner's on me. So, is, was, is Wasabi still there? Well, absolutely, absolutely, it's still there, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't go there. I didn't go. I didn't even check. Last time I was there, it was kind of a quick in and out for the game, so I didn't really explore. I just kind of saw a couple guys on the day off, and then I didn't really go anywhere. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, we'll go to Wasabi or something. We'll figure it out. I'm, I'm sure she'll like the Tongue. So, we'll, we'll go there anyways. How about that? Yeah, let's just go there either way. We'll roll in like a you know, gang of Filipinos. Saki uh, Saki bombs on us, you know. One hundred percent. That's a that's, 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 you, you have no choice on that one. <laughs> well, Tim Blues Reese Stapleton, this has been uh, a slice. Um, thanks for coming on, and, and and you'll have to come on again. Yeah, definitely. When you're in town, we'll have to hook up and we'll meet the whole gang, and uh, and 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 we'll have some sake bombs. No, thank yeah, thank you. I like I said, it's always a lot of fun, and uh, congrats on what you guys are doing. I'm sure you guys are having a lot of fun. It's always fun to talk about the Jets and go Jets, go! I know um, I'm rooting for them, so hopefully this is the year. I think they got a pretty good chance. So well, hockey, um, hockey news, yeah. ho- hockey news had that that cover a couple of years ago. 2019 is the year of the Jets, so it's going to come true. I I hey, I I I would not be surprised if they did. So I, I would definitely be front and center the day they win it so i'll be there but um no i appreciate you having me on and thanks it's been uh yeah it's been a lot of fun awesome so we'll 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 keep in touch and even next time you're in or you know when 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 you launch your product just give us a shot we'll get you on the show and 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 we'll promote the crap out of it sounds good rowdy i appreciate it okay you take care say hi to your family okay thanks Thanks. Bye. bye